Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter number 9, Nehemiah chapter number 9, and this morning uh, I brought the message the Lord put on my heart to kind of get us, remind us of some things, uh, keep us on the right track as we move forward, uh, doing what the Lord uh, has for us to do as a church. I mentioned that I would be preaching another message tonight that would tie into that, and I will certainly do so. Uh, I said I would preach from the book of Ezra uh, I almost said Ezra Maya, but uh, the book of Ezra uh, this evening. And I've, I've changed my message just a little bit, and so we'll be in the book of Nehemiah uh, this, this evening. What happened, Brother Steve, good old Brother Steve. Brother Steve's the kid in class that gets everybody in trouble. Uh, I read this morning, you know, how Ezra read from a pul- standing on a pulpit of wood. So on his way out, he's like, I'm really looking forward to you see you preach from Ezra standing on the pulpit tonight. And so I didn't think that would be a good idea. And so I said, well, I can find something in Nehemiah to go with the message tonight. So Nehemiah chapter number 9, uh, verses 1 through 3. Now in the 20 and fourth day of this month, the children of Israel were assembled with fasting and with sackcloths and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord, their God, one-fourth part of the day, and another fourth part they confessed, and worshiped the Lord their God. What a passage of Scripture. They, people got right with God. They separated themselves. You can't get right with God without separating yourselves. You won't find that in the Bible. They confessed their sins. They read the Word of God. When the Word of God has its right place, that is when man gets right with him. We touched on this just a little bit this morning of how when the work is done, a work, when a people decide to do a work for God, people hear the Word of God who otherwise would not have heard it. That is certainly true when we talk about His church. We talk about the role we have in the church. Tonight, I want to use this passage to get us started. I want to preach on the subject of leaving a legacy. Leaving a legacy. Father, help us tonight. May the Spirit of God use your word to work in our hearts. May we be reminded of some things. May we keep our hearts focused on the work that you have for each of us. May we be reminded of the work that this church has to do, those that look to this church, those that uh, live in the shadow of this church and Uh, to this time, don't even realize uh, what the gospel has to offer them. May you use us in the life of our own family, but in the life of our communities, our uh, co-workers, and uh, to do a work for you. Father, use us in a greater way in the future. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The word legacy can be defined simply as that which is left behind uh, in inheritance or a bequest. What is the legacy? Usually, we speak of the, when we think of the word legacy, it, it can be a monetary inheritance, but typically when we think of that word legacy, we do not think of it in a monetary fashion. We think of it in uh, a heritage. We think of it in a reputation. We think of it in, uh, a, in, a, in a representation of a set of ideals or, or a life that has been built. The, the greatest way... For us to leave a legacy is for us to be a part of doing something for the Lord. We read in our text a revival that took place. 
And anytime God's word is put in its proper place, there, something's going to happen. Something is going to take place. And the, the word of God is so powerful. Well, we just need to reason with some ideas. No, we get the word of God and let the spirit of God do its work. Man has to do something with that. They either have to repent, they have to get themselves right, or they have to reject it. In this case, the people were wise enough to know we just have got done rebuilding as a result of destruction because we got away from God. And friend, let me just give you a warning tonight. You get away from the Word of God, no matter what this world promises you, no matter what pictures are posted on the Internet, good things are not going to happen. Explain to me how this America has gotten into trouble. It's not, it's not just because of liberal ideas. It is anti-God ideas, which also are liberal ideas. That's how we got in the condition we are. But if we get the Bible back in, 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 in the, where it needs to be, something's going to happen. Pastor, what we need to do is we need to get the Bible back in, in, in the White House. That would help. I was going to say something about my head. It's like somebody competent. But anyway, we get the Bible back where it belongs. Well, let's start with getting the Bible back in our homes. <laughs> let's get the Bible back in our churches. That would be a good, a good place to start. But anytime the Bible is where it needs to be, good things are going to happen. I want to warn all of us, especially our young people, don't let the American dream get in the way of God's will. Don't let the American dream... It said, you, as an American today, you can be anything and you can do anything. That's true. Including being out of the will of God. Don't let the American dream... Because there's more to be left behind than monetary things. There's a legacy of revival. There's a legacy of building something for God. As a preacher and as a Christian, I look to previous generations and I don't get inspiration, draw inspiration from average. I do get inspiration from average individuals who had a, a powerful God, an almighty God, who did great things, and somebody made themselves available to do something for God. Uh, that's a legacy that I can look to. If you want to do something for your family, mom and dad, leave a legacy of a godly marriage. Build a godly home for your children. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It doesn't mean they have to like it. But you ought to decide that I'm gonna, we're going to build something together for the Lord. As a church, we must decide that we, yes, isn't it a wonderful thing to come to the house of God and get helped and get encouraged and get edified so that, so that we can grow and that we can, we can get through another week. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but through my lifetime, there have been times it's like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I come to church and I feel better. I get a little bit of strength to go on. I open the word of God. It's like, well, that's exactly, everybody's probably felt this way at least once in your life. If, if you haven't, open the Bible and you will. Well, that's exactly what I needed today. That's a wonderful thing, but God's people are also the band together to build a work for him. You realize that 
If we just take and take and take and take and take and enjoy the benefits of being a part of a church like this and we don't put any work into it, the time's going to come when this church is not going to be able to do for the next generation what it's done for you, what it's done for me. Long after I'm gone, I want there to still be a church that continues on and still helping people and still reaching people. The greatest thing you and I can leave behind is a work that is done for the Lord. Let me make some... Some, some review observations in case you weren't here this morning. The work that the people did for the Lord in rebuilding the walls as Nehemiah got the burden and shared it with the people, and the walls were rebuilt. Let me just remind us that everyone who participates in the work has a part of its completion. Everybody who participates in the work has a part of it. When God does something in the life, of an individual, everybody who has a part in it can rejoice in that. I saw testimony of one of our missionaries over in Africa who individuals got saved today. Do you realize that every person in here has a part in that? I mean, if you're a part of the work. Boy, everything that God does through this ministry... Everyone who participates in the work has a part in this completion. Observation number two, everyone had a role in the work. I spent some time this morning, if you weren't here, and even if you were here, I would, I would as soon as this message is posted on all of our media outlets, I would download it, I would, I would listen to it over and over, I would watch it over and over, and, and, and be reminded, and I spent some time talking about how everybody had a part, and then they built this part, and they built this part, and they built this part. Everyone had a role in the work. I said it several times this morning. Well, maybe you can't build what somebody else can build, but you can carry the bricks. Everybody has a role in the work. Different responsibilities, but equal importance. You say, Pastor, come on. Equal importance. Yeah, you let somebody go without cleaning the restrooms. And they become more important than the pastor. You bring all the babies that are over in the nursery. You say, oh, that wouldn't be that bad. My office is over there. It would be that bad. All of a sudden, they become the most important. It's different roles, different responsibilities, but equal importance. Everybody had a role in the work. Observation number three, the people followed and fulfilled the vision. Well, when God gives and says, this is what we ought to do as a church, people, when we all get behind it, we all do it, uh, then the work gets done. Observation number four, those who did the work have a memorial. Mrs. Wiles caught me after the service this morning, and after she complained about how long I preached, she, she told me a story. Was it your grandfather who parked Comanche and was enlisted to build the capital in Texas and she was able to go visit there and she could see and point to some of those say he had a part in that work and those stones and he carried had to carry those stones that is still a testimony of his labor and his work those of you that have been able to go to Israel and will be returning uh, in, in Lord willing, in the near future, and even as we go into Jerusalem, there are still walls standing 
that somebody else carried the stones not decades ago, centuries ago. More importantly than that, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The names that we read this morning and the names that you could read of the tribes and the families who participated in the work of rebuilding those walls, there is a memorial that we read of tonight that is recorded in heaven for all of time. That wall is greater than that. The revival that took place, that's a memorial that will stand forever. If you'll permit me to use personal illustration, my mother who is in heaven was instrumental in a lot of work that was done on this earth. She helped start our Christian school. She helped start other schools. And she was my K-4 teacher. This world would not know her, but my mother had the opportunity to win a lot of kindergartners to Christ. I was one of them. That legacy continues. What you and I do for God, there's always a memorial for that work. Buildings can be removed. Uh, locations can change, but the, remor- the memorials stay the same. It's about leaving a spiritual legacy. The legacy that I'm speaking of tonight in context of this story was not a wall. Although the wall was important. But that wall, as after it was built, because of what they went through and the word of God being placed back in its proper place, the revival that came was the legacy. And I'm a, I believe tonight that if God's people would get back to doing a work for God, it would put God's word back in its proper place because the only way to build a work for God is to obey this book. I believe, as I preached this morning, there are people who would hear the word of God who otherwise would not hear it, but I believe that is the only way a revival can take place in the world we live in today. You say, Pastor, do you really believe that a revival can take place? I do. Let me tell you some observations. Let me give you some observations from this about leaving a legacy. Number one, it requires the seizing of the opportunity. Some would have said that it's the worst period of time in the nation of Israel. They're in captivity. Even while this story takes place, they're still in captivity. The city's been destroyed. It's in ruins. When some says this is the low time, another got a burden and said, here's a great opportunity. I've never been to, I'm not not an engineer, I've I've never been in in construction work, I've never done any of those things, but I'm going to blow your mind with this profound statement that I'm going to make. Are you ready? Those of you who are taking notes, you might want to get ready for this. You can't rebuild walls if they're still standing. So the walls have been destroyed, which is not a good thing. It was God's judgment. But there's too many people today kicking the rocks from the destruction instead of saying, why don't we just rebuild this? And we can, we can, we can bemoan the condition of our country, but why don't God's people say, why don't we, rebuild, why don't we build something? 
Why, 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 don't we, why, don't we, why don't we do something that requires the seizing of the opportunity? The destroyed walls, there was a problem, but there was also the opportunity. We have an opportunity to serve. In the days ahead, I mentioned this morning that, that at most times, a lot of people, they love a pastor who will preach the word of God. They'll love a pastor who will shepherd them. They'll love a pastor who will pray for them. But if we have to build, that requires me to do something. I remind us of that because in the coming days, months, and years, and perhaps even decades, there's going to be great opportunities that's going to require all of us to be a part of God's work. There's one thing I've noticed is it's a dangerous thing to not seize an opportunity when God brings it your way. It's a dangerous thing. To not seize the opportunity. I've seen it, and if I use this as an illustration, there have been some in their, their situation where they live, they live out of state, they live in another place, and they don't have a church, or their church changed, or, or their spiritual situation, they don't have a church to go to, and they prayed about bringing their family, an opportunity came to get their family in a church where their family could, could serve the Lord, and they didn't do it. And literally months later, you could see the change for the world. You say, what, that didn't have anything to do with it. It absolutely has something to do with God bringing an opportunity for a solution and not seizing the opportunity. I say that to say because your pastor may come to you in the future and say, we're starting a Sunday school class. Would you like the opportunity? We need to start another bus route. Would you like the opportunity? We have some ministries that we're starting. Would you like the opportunity? If we're going to leave a legacy, it requires the seizing of the opportunity. Number two, it requires the overcoming of obstacles. Building a work for God is not easy. It's, it's called a work for God for a reason. I, new parents, maybe this has been your situation, maybe it hasn't. Well, I like the idea of having a child, but now I realize how much work it is. I mean, we have to, it's, it's actually, yeah, it's work. Doing a work for God is, is just that, is work. It requires the overcoming of obstacles. Building and rebuilding the walls of a city are a great task. Likewise, building a work for God is a great task. It's hard work. You think of these workers this, that we spoke about this morning who wanted to help build the walls and do something for the Lord. Make no mistake about it, they, they borrowed Nehemiah's burden. But I believe they, did it, they didn't just do it for Nehemiah. They did it for God. They did it so it could be a memorial to him. It's, it was a great task. But what you'll find when you get busy in the work, once you start setting those, those first bricks and you begin to do more and you do more and you do more, it's just steady progress, doing a work for the Lord. It's a great task. It's hard work. These workers they had to balance their life. How are we going to do something? I can't even keep up with the dishes. Well, cut the three hours of social media out of your schedule, and you might have a little bit more time. Whatever it may be, you have to balance. I'm for, I'm for balancing life. 
I'm for take, you fulfilling your responsibilities and duties never conflict. But they had to balance their life. They had to reorganize their priorities. I said, number one, it requires the seizing of the opportunity. Number two, it requires the overcoming of obstacles. Number three, it requires the overcoming of opposition. It's amazing how soon we forget or how quick we forget that the devil opposes what God does. He opposes what God does. Yeah, first, first January will be 10 years that I've been the pastor, and it was shocking to me how op- the opposition comes when you just want to do a work for God. Parents, let me warn you, if you want to rear your children from the Lord, which you, sh- which you should, there's going, to be opposi- there's going to be opposition. You're going to teach a Sunday school class, there's going to be opposition. If we as a church are going to try and do something for the Lord, there's going to be opposition. I want you to notice the opposition, and it comes in in several forms. It comes in foes, it comes in friends, it even comes in family. I want you to look in Nehemiah chapter 2 with me, and I'm going to walk through some of the opposition. I think this will be a help to you. Nehemiah chapter 2, and we referred to this this morning in verse number 19. In verse 18, Nehemiah gives an account that he told the people of the burden that God had given him, and the people said, let us rise up and build. Immediately in verse 19, we see, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Immediately. They haven't even picked up a brick yet. And the enemy has risen up in opposition. Now, notice with me, we're going to see a progression of opposition. Notice in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews... Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build of a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. We find opposition by mocking. I'm never going to get this done. (laughs) Look at what they're doing. If a fox ran across that, it'd fall over. It opposition by mocking. Notice now in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. And our adversaries said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when they Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times from all places, When she are returned unto us, they will be upon you. We find uh, opposition by conspiracy. There, the enemy got together behind the scenes to try and stop them. Make no mistake, it's happened in our own nation. The enemies of God are getting together, trying to make it more difficult for God's work to get done. Notice, again, and this is where it gets, might get a little more personal. Nehemiah chapter number 5, look at me verse number 1. And there was a great cry of the people and of their wives against their brethren, the Jews. 
For there were that said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many, therefore we take up corn for them, that we may eat and live. Some also there were that said, We have mortgaged our lands, vineyards, and houses, that we might buy corn because of the dearth. There were also that said, We have borrowed money for the king's tribute, and that upon our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children, as their children. And lo, we bring into bondage our sons and our daughters to be servants. And some of our daughters are brought into bondage already. Neither is it in our power to redeem them. For other men have our lands and vineyards. We find opposition by selfishness. Say, so, hold on, Pastor, that seems like some serious thing. And yes, if you went into debt and you had bondage, they would take family into slavery, into bondage to pay off that debt. But look what Nehemiah, verse 6, and I was very angry when I heard their cry in these words. Verse number 7, I like this. Then I consulted with myself. And I rebuked the nobles. If I ever rebuked the nobles, I've consulted with myself. And the rulers, and I said to them, Ye exact usury every one of his brother, and set a great, and I said a great assembly against them. And I said to them, We after our ability have redeemed our brethren the Jews, which were sold unto the heathen, and will ye even sell your brethren? Or shall they be sold unto us? Then hold they their peace and found nothing to answer. What had happened is they were in in, in debt. And so uh, they, some, some of the workers owed them money, and they're like, if you don't pay us our money, we're going to lose everything we had, and you're too busy working down there at that wall. Or we had them, they were working off our debt, and now, they're, now we're going to be in the same situation. And basically what happened, Nehemiah said, we bought them out of bondage. We paid off that debt so they can work. If you put them in bondage, we're just going to have to buy them out too because God's work needs to go on. And you can be, you get to have opposition because of selfishness. But notice Nehemiah chapter number 6, verse number 1. Now it came to pass when Sambala and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sambala and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. We find here opposition by fellowship. Come let us meet together, verse 2, in some one of the villages. Everybody that wants to have coffee with you is not your friend. Well, I just noticed that since you joined that church, you're spending all your time in the house of God and concerned about spiritual matters. I'm really concerned about the change in you. So let me get this right. I'm spending too much time in church. That's the problem? Well, why don't you come fellowship with us? Boy, I've, I've learned this in my years of pastoring. Not everybody that wants to fellowship with me is interested in what God has put in my heart to do. Matter of fact, they come my way to stop me, to hinder me. And this might answer some of your questions. Why don't they preach here anymore? Why don't, why, why don't we do, participate in this anymore? You can apply that at the timing of this anytime you'd like to. Let us meet together. But they thought to do me mischief. We have opposition by fellowship. Then Nehemiah 6, verse 5 through 9. Then sent Sinbalat his servant unto me in like manner the fifth time with an open letter in his hand wherein was written, written It is reported among the heathen, and Gashemu saith it, that thou and the Jews think to rebel. 
For which cause thou buildest the wall, that thou mayest be their king according to these words. Now bear in mind, the Bible tells us that Nehemiah had a burden given him by God. It was a shame for God's city, for those walls to be in the condition they were. God put a burden on his heart to rebuild them. He shared that burden with the people, and the people said, let's rise up and build. Now the enemy is circulating a letter saying, you're just trying to overthrow the king. Now, bear in mind, God's people did not want to be ruled by, by, by a pagan king. But the purpose for them rebuilding the walls was simply because God had told them to rebuild the walls. God had put that burden on them. And now they're spreading this, this idea that they're just trying to overthrow the king. Verse 7, And thou hast also appointed prophets to preach of thee at Jerusalem, saying, There is a king in Judah, and now shalt be reported to the king according to these words. Come now, therefore, and let us take counsel together. Then I sent unto him, saying, There are no such things done as thou sayest, but thou feignest them out of thine own heart. Beware of those who, we've seen this in the political realm, usually those that are slandering a politician is something they're guilty of. And it's not just in the political realm. Those slanders come out of a person's heart. Uh, verse 9, For they all made us afraid, saying, Their hands shall be weakened from the work, that it be not done. I say that because there are people who want to slander Bible preaching churches. They want to slander moms and dads who want to rear their children by the word of God. It's just evil out of their own heart. Anyway, we find there the opposition by slander and threat. He says, we'll stop circling this letter if you come down to us. And sadly, God's work faces opposition. It requires the overcoming of opposition. Let me... Let me Recap real quick. We said number one, it requires a seizing of the opportunity. Number two, it requires the overcoming of obstacles. Number three, it requires the overcoming of opposition. Now, number four, it results in a supernatural, supernatural overcoming, a supernatural work. Look at chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 25th day of the month. Because of everything that it required and they were willing to do, the work was finished. Now, let me finish, and I'll, I'll, summate, I'll summarize the entire message with the, where we started. The message tonight is on leaving a legacy. The legacy was not in the wall. The legacy was in the revival that we read of in our text tonight. But that revival would not have taken place without the building of the wall. Because God had given the burden to build the wall. I'm alarmed today in our churches of the mindset of just coasting. You know, I'm at a certain age, I'm at a certain place now, and I can just coast. We can check all the doctrinal boxes. Everything's paid for. We can just coast. And if I support 75 missionaries and I'm doing my part, I mean, the people across the street can die and go to hell, but if I support 75 missionaries and we just coast, it's a curse on God's people when they get in the mindset that God has saved us, God has helped us, we don't want to do anything to help everybody else. The only way to leave a legacy is you got to be able to do the work that God has instructed you to do. And it would change this nation... If God's men would get a burden, and how do you get a burden? 
Well, you seek the Word of God. You seek the will of God. You, you drive up and down the streets and you look at the homes and you, and, and you get out of your office from time to time and you get down and you talk to the people and you, and you, and you try and uh, you, you go to the Lord in prayer and the Lord puts a burden on your heart and you decide, I'm going to do a work for the Lord. But then the opposition comes. And I can tell you, ministry after ministry after ministry today, I wouldn't do it in a public setting a day that I can tell you in less than a generation, the doors are going to be closed. The legacy is in the revival. The legacy is in how do we get the revival? Well, Pastor, there's a new campaign. It's, it's, it's a hashtag revival. And if in our social media we just hashtag revival, then we'll have it. Or if we'll get involved and get the right politicians elected, we'll have revival. Amazingly, they had revival with a pagan king. So that, that mindset does not line up with the Bible. Now, I like paying lower taxes, don't you? I like the gas costed less, don't you? But that's not a, that's not a, a, a prevention of revival. And really what it is is God's people trying to bypass separating themselves, being holy, confessing their sins, and doing a work for God. Sometimes I feel all alone when I preach. What kind of legacy do we want to leave as a church? You say, Pastor, do you really feel like if we do a work for God, we can have revival? The Bible gives a precedent, a resounding yes. Worldwide, I don't know about worldwide. But I know God's doing some things around the world. National revival. I can't guarantee you if we do a work, there'll be a national revival. I can't guarantee you there'll be a citywide revival. And by the way, I'm not against organization and I'm not against cooperation. We got to get together to have a citywide campaign. I can't even get together with the local independent Baptist fellowship because of the doctrinal issues. And by the way, I'm not linking up with somebody who doesn't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. How are we going to reach a city? It's just not going to happen. Before we worry about having a citywide revival, maybe we should decide to build a wall Maybe we should decide to do a work that God has given us. So, Pastor, you're basically saying we can't have a citywide revival. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying as a church we can have a revival. I'm saying our home can have a revival. I want my children one long, long time from now when, when God is through with me and, and maybe as they leave behind their families one day, I want them to remember that, that, that I know that God is not just somebody you read on the pages of the Bible. He's somebody real. He's somebody I've seen him work. He's somebody I've seen him do great and mighty things, not just in my home, but in my church. That is the kind of legacy that I want to leave. We're not going to see the results that we want without doing a work. We say all the time we need revival in our nation, and certainly we do. We'd all be in agreement tonight with that, wouldn't we? 
what would change our nation, change our world, change our state, change our city, change our neighborhoods, our community, would be the Bible in its right place. What would change the school system is not necessarily reform, unless that reform includes the Bible. The public schools are always only going to get worse, only going to get worse, only going to get worse. Because there can't be fixed without the Word of God. Our government, you can put a Republican in every every spot, and yes, the taxes, sometimes the taxes would be better. Sometimes the gases would be lower. But until we get God (coughs) back, it's not going to change our government. We have more churches church buildings, quote-unquote churches, than we've ever had in our world. And our world is in darker condition, dark in shape. Because the work has actually got to be built. Tonight, the Lord has, of course, put the message I preached this morning, put this message, because I want us to be reminded of what it takes for God to do a great work, for God to bring a revival, for us to leave a legacy. Anytime, and I'll remind you in the near future, and anytime you want to pull out the master plan of the drawings of buildings and things that we have drawn, I will sit around and talk to you about that all day long. I'll walk you out here to the property and say, one day this building is going to be here. When? I don't know. One day it's going to be here. This one's going to be here. Since our last time we looked at all this, now we're going to put another, we're going to put this here and change. I will talk to you about that all day long. Those are tools for us to reach more people, for us to train missionaries to go around the world, for us to train young men and young ladies. I had a, if you were here this morning, I had an aha moment that almost, almost had to stop the sermon. You remember the part of the message? where I stopped and I talked about Brother Stanley and what God's put in his heart. And then I talked to the staff and how they had to, they were here to help me fulfill that vision. Then it dawned on me with the exception of Brother Fox and Brother Cruz. It's like, I helped train them. I would have have taken it a lot more seriously if I had known that I was going to depend on them in the way that I am depending on them now. But we need all of this so that we can train. Those of you that work in the Bible college, don't look at it. Well, it's small. You're training somebody else's future pastor. You're training somebody else's school teacher. You that work in the academy in the Christian school, as that ministry grows, and I'll just throw this out. As we double our attendance, that's not the only thing we're doubling You know, you could be teaching your kids pastor in that school. You'd have been a lot nicer to me if you'd known that, Mrs. Nelson. Anyway. I was thinking about this too. Miss Wiles, I've let you off the hook all these years. You taught me in elementary school, and when you gave me those attentions, you had too big of a smile on your face when you did that. We want to do all of this because it's, It's what the Lord can use to help and reach other people.
But you know, and I'm not saying this because I don't think it's going to happen. I think the opposite is going to happen. But we could never put a shovel in the ground and leave a legacy that would echo for generations if we decide that we're going to do a work that God has given us to do. And we're going to reach people, use our lives to fulfill the burden that He's placed upon us at this hour, at this time. I believe that God wants to, us to do a work. I believe that God wants to use a people to show that He's not dead. So I say this all the time. I pray this all the time. God, why not us? Why not us? Why not use us to rebuild some things in our nation? Why not use us to build a work in Northeast Florida? Why not use us to hold fast so that a future generation can know the things that we have known. Tonight, we can leave a legacy. It's more than a name on the building. It's more than buildings on a piece of paper. It's about, it is about doing the work that God wants us to do and giving ourselves to that work. Father, I pray you'll use the message tonight as we think back to the message just